on today's episode. It's not so much that I didn't want to, I wanted to die. It's just, I didn't want to live anymore. Do you know, I, I hear that so often as well. And I would bounce between the three of like wanting to die, being in my not okay child, having hope and feeling like I could fight being in my adult. And then feeling actually like, no, I deserve to be miserable. One of the big things I've learned is like, no one is broken. Yeah, I think comparison generally is a, is a real killer. If you are going to compare to someone, do not compare to where they're at now. Compare yourself to where they began. Children especially, you know, they want to keep their parents happy. They want to be the good kid. They want to, you know, and it's like, like you say, the, from the external looking in, it can be a very, very different experience from the internal express that full range of emotions with us in a safe space how are they going to be able to do that out in the real world welcome to the things i wish i'd known podcast we're on a mission to help those of us who feel way too sad way too often remember what it's like to feel alive and 100 yourself again so whether you're here because you're stressed out feel like your emotions are constantly hijacking your life or you've just somehow lost your way your host rachel has got your back. Let's have all the chats everyone told us not to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, rebellion. She's a raver, misbehaver, and suicide survivor turned happiness champion. She's on a mission to bring happiness back because let's face it, it never really went out of fashion. This podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners. If you're sensitive to certain topics, please check the show notes for full episode descriptions. Grab a brew, listen up, and get back to you. This is Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel. I am here today with Lily McGill and she is a trauma-informed recovery specialist who has had her own experience of suicide, which is what we are talking about all this week for Mental Health Awareness Week. It is a subject that is super close to my own heart, having had experience of it myself, as well as having people, unfortunately, in my life that are close to me that have um succeeded in doing uh, in doing suicide in <laughs> I don't know how to, how to make that sentence um and so it is a, a big subject and I think it's something that's very very important to talk about and it's a subject that most people sweep under the carpet and even though so much work has been done to raise the profile of mental health to try and combat stigma around mental health there is still so much stigma around this subject so I'm really um happy to welcome Lily to the podcast to be able to share her story and her experiences with you guys with the hope that we can continue the work to you know quash this stigma and know that it is a subject that can be talked about and even though it's difficult hi Rachel it's so lovely to be here thanks Um, for coming yeah it's I think such an important opportunity to shed some light on an area that's really can be quite filled with shame Um, absolutely for a lot of people I know for me for a long time it was an area that I had a lot of shame around and still see so much shame around and I think the more we can talk about it and bring it out into the everyday um, because it does affect people you know in their everyday life absolutely whether they are going it through themselves or they like yourself know someone who is struggling or has died by suicide it's it's something that needs to be talked about, discussed, addressed. Um, Absolutely. And I think also just like taking your time, 
because like you say you know for years I did not talk about it Um, and I was quite embarrassed I think actually more than ashamed I think I was quite embarrassed that I tried to do that and I just and I was so grateful I never remember like being in hospital and like being so grateful to be alive and just being like oh my god (laughs) I've got a second chance yeah and just being like super grateful and thinking right just forget that ever happened and just like try and just get on with things and don't do it again you know try just try not to do it again sort of thing yeah Um, because I mean for me the way I always phrase it is it's not so much that I didn't want to I wanted to die it's just I didn't want to live anymore do you know I I hear that so often as well and I think you know I totally resonate with that like a lot of my suicide ideation and I get that actually not probably for the last couple of years I haven't but I, I had it a lot you know pretty much every time I would cross the road I would think oh you know yeah that would be interesting but similar thing I never actually wanted to die I just used to fantasize about being in hospital for a couple of weeks or whatever and like being looked after and just making everything stop like just make it stop just for a couple of weeks so I can just get a handle on everything and then okay I might be able to like it felt like I had to try and catch up with myself if that makes sense and so I totally resonate with that thing of like not wanting to die but also not really wanting to continue yeah how things are at the time, um, I would sleep a lot as well because that was another way of kind of like pausing things, mm. but temporarily. Interesting. It, it was, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to die, but I, I couldn't cope with living anymore, and so mm. I tried every other way of trying to pause things. Um, at the time of, I had two suicide attempts in the same year, mm. and I was, I had anorexia, I had a drug addiction depression, anxiety. Uh, I was hospitalized. And for me, all of those things were just suicide by installment. Mm. And, you know, each time I would just get that little bit closer until I finally was actually like, okay, I can't, can't do this anymore. And for me, uh, the way I see it, having, you know, done a lot of work on myself and, and process things and, and, you know, tried to kind of learn what was going on. And for me, I view it as there were, there were three parts of me um, sort of fighting for a voice Mm. um, in the years before and actually um, after really, you know, just because I, like you said, was grateful to be alive. There was still this part of me that really struggled with, with existence. And there was this sort of adult wise part of myself that had hope and wanted a future and wanted to live. And then there was this, you know, not okay child in me that really just was done and didn't feel mm. safe and didn't feel able or manage being alive. Yeah. And then there was the critical parent part of me that really did, felt I deserved to be punished mm. and therefore wouldn't kill myself because that was the easy way out. I deserved to live in this miserable existence, feel the pain and be punished. And I would bounce between the three of like wanting to die, being in not, my not okay child, having hope and feeling like I could fight being in my adult. And then feeling actually like, no, I deserve to be miserable. Mm, That's really interesting because I never really thought about it that way until you've just said it. But I I have definitely experienced that as well of like, you deserve this. Yeah. Like it's your own fault and all that kind of story that comes with that. It's really powerful stuff, man. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, feel that, 
like we were saying, there's a lot of stigma that goes with suicide. Mm. There's they're selfish, that maybe it's the best thing for them and they'll be in a better place. Mm. Maybe they are too broken. Maybe, you know, and one of the big things I've learned is like, no one is broken. No. You know, everyone has the capability to change, no matter how deep rooted those problems are, no matter how severe things mm. might be, there is always hope. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful as well. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast, you know, I think when I was getting well, I almost got obsessed, really. I think I'm still a bit obsessed with this topic, but, you know, of, like, looking out for people that had overcome depression mm. and watching YouTube videos and reading books and, like, working and, and trying to almost, like, reverse engineer. Like, if they've done it, I I can potentially do it as well. And it became this like, you know, okay, well, how did they do it? And what did they do? And how often did they do it? And and then it was like, right, okay, I need to replicate that. Because it's, you know, I can't remember who said it. Success leaves clues. <laughs> I can't remember who, yeah. who said it. Some uh, entrepreneur, um, you know, success leaves clues. And if you follow a similar, similar path, you're going to have a similar outcome. And I think I 100% follow that now. You know, it's like... Where, where... And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And that's what I try and model both in my personal and professional life. Mm. But I'm also very aware that what works for me may not work for someone else. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm a massive advocate for that. I remember, like, in my membership, I'm often saying to people, like, listen to me, because I've studied this stuff for a long time, but also don't listen to me. Like, if you, if I say something and it doesn't resonate with you, follow yourself, yeah, don't listen to fine. me. Don't listen to me. Like, always listen to yourself over me. Like, I'm not some all-knowing... I, I don't profess to be a know-it-all or whatever. It's like, this is stuff that worked for me. This is stuff that I've read that I think sounds awesome and could be, like, super helpful. But equally, if you're like, nah, yeah, not for And me, to be humble in that fine. and just to be like, you know, I'm not going to get it right every time. Yeah. Or, you know, it might get it right for so many people, but it might not be right for you. Or it might be right for you, but not right now. Because that's the other yeah. thing is I think... That's you know, a big thing. Certain tools come too early in the journey or I read this thing the other day and I was like oh my god I never thought about that and it's so true and this guy was talking about how therapy only works if you feel safe with your therapist I was weirdly having this conversation this morning no way we must um, have probably read the same thing because I think it was and, in the newspaper or somewhere um I was I was having a conversation with with my therapist actually there's so much that I do now on my healing journey. And I really believe it, it is a journey. I don't mm. feel that there is an end destination. I feel that I will always continually be working on myself to different degrees. Mm. And that's something I'm very transparent about with everyone I work with. That, that you know, I am not the end goal. I am not a fixed product. Yeah. That I may get it wrong and I may have bad days. I'm in a very different place to where I was, you know, even six months ago. Mm. Um, especially compared to 10 years ago. But I'm going to continue to do my own work. And I think to be working in this field, you have to continue to do your own work. Yeah. But there are lots of things that I do now or have done the last few years that I would never have been able to be open to or stable enough to embark yeah. on, you know, back then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's just everything evolves. 
You know, this yeah. is why I get frustrated sometimes, you know, when you see these like my morning routine or my thingy, whatever, like, and it's like, yeah, but that person's morning routine probably didn't include those 12 things when they started that routine 10 years ago. It probably started with one of those things. And over the last decade of them becoming super successful, they've added a few different things. You know, I was sort of sharing um, on my Instagram recently about you know, I'm really trying to look after my body better because fitness is something that... How am I going to frame this in a positive way? <laughs> I'm trying to be cautious of my language. <laughs> it's something I'm working on, right? It's something that doesn't come naturally to me, right? No, I'm the same. And, um, and I've got this good friend of mine, Roisin, big up Roisin, and um, we made a pact and we were like, right, we're going to try and work out regularly. So we started doing that and then we've been doing that for a good few months and then we were like, right, let's try and do it every day. So then we started trying to work out together every day and not going to lie, I can't walk. (laughs) I literally have been walking down the stairs like as if I'm 85 years old and I need a stick. But we've been doing it. But if I'd have started a few months back when I wasn't really exercising regularly and was like, right, okay, I'm going to exercise every single day and I'm going to do an hour every single day or whatever, I probably wouldn't have been able to stick to it. But because I've built the habit of doing, you know, three times a week, four times a week, you know, then it's not that much harder to go to five or six times a week. But if you're going from no times a week to six times a week, it's it's quite a big change. Yeah, I think comparison generally is a a real killer. If you are going to compare to someone, do not compare to where they're at now. Compare Mm -hmm. yourself to where they began. Yeah. So hard not to do that though, isn't it? I remember when I started my business and I was looking at people and I was like, oh my God, why haven't I got that or whatever? And you're like, they've literally been doing it for 25 years. You've yeah. literally been doing it for 25 days. <laughs> like, give yourself a break. It's going to be okay, you know. It's quite tricky though, isn't it? So I would love to know, like, what was the kind of build up, right? Because nobody kind of gets to the point of, being suicidal without some kind of build up towards it so what's you know what's the kind of backstory I guess is there trauma involved or was it yeah I mean I identify as a complex PTSD survivor yeah and I had been on my healing journey for quite a long time but was still very much in the thick of my dysfunction and illness Mm. I had had suicidal thoughts for for a long time and I I think people don't realize that suicidal thoughts are a lot more common than they actually think. Mm. Um, most of the people I work with have, have had a thought of actually, maybe it would be better if I did this or if I did yeah. it, how would I do it? doesn't yeah. mean they're going to act on it. And for a long time, you know, I had that, those thoughts for, for many, many years. Do you find they get quite normalized as well? In in your own head, like in the sense of, I mean, I'm, back in, back in in my dysfunction, yes, massively. Yeah. It was just like, oh yeah, of course I want to die. Like, yeah, that's, that's just I, how I operate. And and also to a point, sometimes I think that is romanticized a little bit sometimes in certain narratives and stuff and it's kind of like oh yeah you know it's just like it's kind of cute to be and it's like it's not cute yeah I think there was um a few years ago I'm not going to mention it specifically but there was a tv show Mm. that the premise was around a girl's suicide and it was very romanticized and very graphic and very triggering absolutely um I didn't watch it myself but I have had I watched even a client this year come to me and say but 
you know, I'm watching this show and, you know, I'm like, oh God, you know, that's not how it's going to be. You know, if you do go through with this, that's, that's not, Mm. that's not the narrative. Yeah. It's, it's messy. It's painful. It's devastating. Mm. You know, it's final. Yeah. And I think it's very difficult when you're in those spaces because you're not, you're not really yourself and you're no. not really thinking uh, with clarity and logic that you would, you know, like I always feel like there's two versions of me. There's the version that's like unwell and she kind of like wants to kill me. <laughs> then there's the version of me who's like, woohoo, life, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And luckily the version that wants to kill me is not really around very often at all anymore, which is Yeah, and pleasant. a lot of people, when they are in that state of having, you know, suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, or even acting on it, you know, for me, I was in the thick of my anorexia. Mm. Um, I was addicted to benzodiazepines and was abusing them regularly mm. um my my first suicide attempt actually was five days before i was going to be impatient in a eating disorder unit mm. and i was very close to being sectioned i felt trapped i felt that it was my kind of one it, it really there wasn't much planning to it mm. it was a real sort of in the moment type thing that had definitely been built to it yeah i was highly detached and dissociated at that point Mm. was very physically unwell very mentally unwell Uh, luckily you know I I was well not I say luckily but actually I there was that adult part of me I I took a I took an overdose of benzos and alcohol and luckily I did have that that adult voice inside Mm. me that went actually you know what no yeah um and I did, I went and found my parents and I said, look, this is what I've done. I'm still not sure if I want to do anything about it. And obviously at that point I knew they were going to, they were yeah. going to take control. I was rushed to hospital and I don't re- really remember much mm. after that other than sort of the next day. Um, what was that feeling like the next day? Because I always think that's quite helpful for people that maybe are struggling at the moment or... Are in, you know, because it can feel like, can't it, when you're in that space, this is never going to end. Yeah. This is like, it's just going to continue like this indefinitely. And I just, I just can't, I just, you know, and I think realizing that there is another day <laughs> sometimes at the, at the yeah. other side. And so, how did you? I, I mean, like you said, I was massively grateful yeah. that I was, I was still there and that I had a chance. Yeah, I have to say I, I've yet to meet someone and I'm, I'm sure there are people out there, but I'm, I've yet to meet someone who has survived a suicide attempt and gone, oh, God, it didn't work quickly. Let's mm. do, you know, let's try again. Yeah. Most people that I talk to, I'm, well, not most people, everyone I have talked to so far who has survived one has has been grateful. Yeah. Still been reasonably scared and in pain. Yeah but grateful that actually they have a chance to do something about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about kind of rock bottoms and that kind of thing, it's like, there's not really any further down. There's not really any further down to go. So it's like, oh, okay, maybe we'll try going back up then. And um, I realize I'm not laughing at the, the topic. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I think back, I don't know if you get this as well. And I just think, 
it seems so far removed from like yeah. where I am now. It's like I can't even, I can't. It's like I can't imagine being. Um, you know, I wouldn't ever say never, but I can't imagine being back at that point now. It just seems so f- far away from like with all the work that I've done yeah. and everything. It's it's amazing how um, how far it does feel. It'll actually it'll be seven years this June. Wow. Um, and it's it's crazy to think how much has changed yeah. in those last seven years. Yeah, it's um, amazing. And, but also how much work it has taken to get here. 100% <laughs> worth it, but yeah. it's taken some work. Yeah. I, and a, a lot of the my sort of contemplation back there was I never really wanted to um get better i just wanted to be better i wanted to be well i didn't want to have to do the work i wanted someone else to do it for me i wanted someone else to take the responsibility away absolutely yeah when's this gonna stop can you yeah yeah for more information on how you can bring your happiness back why not join rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website www.welfordwellbeing.com yeah, I, I 100% resonate with that. It was funny because when Roisin and I were going for a run and it was something we were talking about and I said, you know, I was getting frustrated like with the fitness stuff because although I am fitter, obviously I've been doing it for a few months, I'm not really getting the results that I thought I would have by now. And then I said, and then I looked at myself and I just started laughing and I was like, <laughs> remember with your mental health, you know, like it took me so long to get my mental health into anything that resembled having a healthy brain. And now I'm like, bang on with it like it's just you know I have certain daily practices and certain supplements that I take and, and what have you and and I'm great you know I'm good it's, it's great I'm happy it's awesome like, yeah. yes and I, I, really I try and remind people that you know you, you need to be patient and it is going to take time because you think about how long you've lived in that dysfunction absolutely why is it just going to take you know 28 days of of treatment it, to just no. bounce back to and we're not even bounce back because I wasn't looking to get back. You know, I, I went into therapy when I was 10. Mm. So, you know, my dysfunction and symptoms of my pain started really young. So I, I, I you know, people would talk about, you know, you're going to be your old self. Mm. I was like, I don't, there is no old self. There's no one to go back to because I've never really been happy. Yeah. So I was having to start kind of from actually, I, I want to create someone completely new. Yeah. And, you know, I... I specialize in working with adolescents and young adults who generally also have started their journey a lot earlier than, than most. Yeah. And most of the time talking to them, there is no version of themselves yeah. they like to go back to. Their parents, on the other hand, they think of their sort of carefree five-year-old that's loving life. Mm. But actually that can be a very different experience for that five-year-old. That's what They I can was have moments say. of happiness, but actually it can be riddled with anxiety fear pain just trying to showcase yeah you know i spent years doing that i didn't even know i was doing it i got so good at it just like everything's fine it's all cool and i remember when i got my diagnosis and so many people that i knew were like you've got depression you it's like oh i did i did a good job i hit it for 20 30 years you know i think a lot of children especially you know they want to keep their parents happy they want to be the good kid they want to you know, and it's like, like you say, the, from the external looking in, it can be a very, very different experience from the internal 
Yeah, you know, and I think the world. depending on your narrative as a family, in my my house, uh, sadness and anger were two kind of emotions that my parents really struggled with. Mm. And that was from their own dysfunction from their childhood. Mm. And I, you know, I learned very quickly that, that sadness and anger were, were really not okay. Mm. And that followed me for a really, really long time. What um, effect do you think that had? Weirdly, the anger was the one that really affected me more from not really allowing my own anger Mm. to being very fearful of other people's. Um, I think I viewed anger for a long time as this really scary, dangerous, unpredictable thing, Mm. when actually anger is a valid, useful emotion that, you know, know, if if it's there, it needs to be felt, it needs to be processed. Mm, Absolutely. And that was really scary for me for a long time because I, I didn't want to have to go near the anger. Yeah. And I think that's quite common for a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I have that a lot with clients, that they'll just be like, oh, I don't really get angry. And then, you know, five sessions in or whatever, it's like, oh, okay. I don't allow myself yeah. <laughs> to get angry. It's a very different thing to I don't get angry. I mean, what do you think had been, because I imagine quite a lot of people listening will resonate with that and they'll be like going nodding along like oh yeah Lily right yeah (laughs) totally totally resonate with this you know is there I don't know whether there's like a tool or many tools probably that you've used but say if there is somebody that struggles with that same thing like they're scared of their own anger or they're not able to express it in a healthy way is there something that you would suggest as a helpful tool to start that process I realize that it's a you know probably a long journey but was there something that was helpful to you? To I think start? for me, kind of working out, I don't know if you've ever seen the the anger iceberg. I can't remember who it's by. I have to send it to you. Yeah. But it's basically about what is under anger, you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. But for me, the main thing w- was fear. Yeah. I talk about this a lot. Like anger is usually a cover emotion, isn't it? So that's yeah. this is probably, this. I've not seen it done in the iceberg thing. It's a, a different, slightly different uh, thing that we learn in... Um, EFT training but it's usually a cover so yeah and for me like I needed to feel safe Mm. um to start to feel angry Mm. in myself but also you know the I've been very lucky and privileged in being able to have a therapist Mm. and you know access therapy because you know it's not accessible for everyone no but creating a secure attachment with her and knowing that if I do get annoyed with her, if I do get angry with her, if I do show her my anger at someone, you know, something or someone else, you know, she's not going to leave. She's not going to judge me. Mm. She's not going to get angry back at me. Yeah. And I think a lot of what I was modeled was, you know, anger is, like I said, anger is scary and Mm -hmm. anger can make someone else angry. Yeah. Anger can make someone reject you, leave you, you. And it, it took time to be able to be secure enough in myself to know that actually my anger is valid. Yeah. And that goes for, to be honest, all of my emotions. I was yeah. so detached and dissociated from all of my feelings and from my body that, you know, I needed to know that all my, all my emotions were, were valid. But anger was definitely the last one to come. Yeah. Um, and the hardest one, I think, because yeah. the root of it really was fear. And I think for a lot of people, fear is, is the scariest thing. Absolutely. And anger, especially because everybody's got experiences, I imagine, you know, of people being uncontrollably, in inverted commas, you know, angry 
either at them or at something or seeing an explosive display of anger of some description, whatever that may be, and thinking, bloody hell, no, <laughs> don't want to be on the other end of that, you know. And even if it's that, I remember like little things like from when I was a kid as well, that I used to live in um, this seaside town and very sort of like ho 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 and a bottle of rum, you know, and be punch ups on the weekends and all that. And I, I, little things that I remember like walking through town and being like, what's that? And mum would be like, oh, it's just blood, you know, and there'd be like blood on the pavement outside a pub or something where there'd obviously been a punch up. And even though I was just a little kid, you, I don't know, you sort of like internalise that. And then as I got older and you, you'd see a punch up and you'd be like, right, okay, that's what happens if. Yeah, it's just little like little things that feed mm. in that then be like, right, okay, I don't want that to happen to me or I don't want to express things in that way. But we're not taught any other way of doing it. And, you know, I often <laughs> have people express anger in a, a, a session or, or what have you. And it's it's quite interesting, you know, there's different ways that we might do it. But so many people, the relief afterwards mm. like you know give that part of you a voice what would they have said or what you know and suddenly it's just like ah, oh, and then that like relief after even just 30 seconds or a couple of minutes it's like oh oh okay I feel like I could actually get it out yeah and I think it's so important to be able to do that in a session because yeah you know as as therapists coaches whatever it may be mm. you know we are modeling real world relationships and if, they, mm. if a client can't express that full range of emotions with us in a safe space, how are they going to be able to do that out in the real world? Mm. So I always say to my clients, like, you may get angry at me one day and that's completely fine. Mm. You know, obviously there's levels of anger. If there's rage, then that's slightly different. Yeah. And we'll work to, to manage that. Yeah. But, you know, anger is okay. And it's, it's, it's there to be, to be heard, to be felt, to be processed and I think when it's the right response then you know and it's often a boundary thing isn't it you know it's like a boundary's been crossed you've not been able to express that boundary or um someone's in your space or you know there's lots of different things that can can bring that up but it's um when you can start to learn to either process it in the moment or to express yourself in a certain way with with control then it's you know it's it's a healthy way of doing it but I think because most people have never seen that or like modeled um, as they're growing up or been taught you know it's not like we go to school and they go today we're going to learn about emotional intelligence and like god can you imagine if they did it would have been amazing yeah do you know like it's one of those things where I think I think as well I'm like oh my god wouldn't that be amazing and then I think about how crap school was <laughs> I'm like <laughs> would oh, it yeah. be amazing <laughs> yeah probably it was definitely better than not having it but I'm like yeah. would it be amazing though you know or would it just be like another thing where you're like oh god I'm in shame now I know I'm in shame <laughs> or like now I know but I suppose if you as long as you're getting the tools alongside it rather than just like exactly I think you know that's where sometimes people can slightly misguided and you you don't just want the information you want the actual the tools and the coping mechanisms to go alongside it because for a long time I was very informed of like I know why I am the way I am I understand where it's coming from but I don't know what to do about it Mm. and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck it would almost be awesome if you could like 
create some kind of you know where I, I don't know every year you get 12 free sessions of therapy like yeah. every year of your life from the age of say like five or something or four years old or something like that or like you get I don't know a few when you're younger and then it goes up as you get older so then by the time you're like an adult you're like I've already worked for all my stuff yeah there's nothing to work through. <laughs> I can just enjoy my adulthood now I should have worked for it all and it's fine <laughs> so um what one piece of advice would you share with a younger you if you could kind of go back from this point now and just pop back to any moment in time and be like okay babe this is what you need to know God, I think there's there's a lot I would like to to share with her and I do I, I do talk to her a lot actually um I think it's really important to connect with those younger versions of ourselves because for a long time I really rejected her, I really hated her. Mm. Um, When I would see other little girls, I'd just be like, ugh. Um, I always told myself, you know, when I have kids, I only want boys, I don't want any little girls. They're just, they're irritating and they're just, I just don't like them. Wow. And then I realized, oh, no, I just don't like me. (laughs) It's so funny projection, isn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) You can see it, you're like, Oh, it's all about me. Yeah, it's just my own shit. Don't forget to meet us over on YouTube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes. You can find the link in the description. Um, There are two big things that I wish I'd known about is one, trauma and what it really looks like and that it's not this extreme, you know, 9-11 9-11 car crash rape physical abuse it can be lots of other different things mm. because for a long time I would look as you know was there something in my past that I just wasn't remembering mm. you know what what happened to me to make me you know this broken I would tell myself mm. when actually there were loads of things yeah but they just didn't you know they didn't seem like a the movie version of what someone that's been traumatized yeah, they looked didn't like. Fit the kind of like movie narrative kind of thing. Mm. Mm. And you know, doing my own trauma work and making sure that I'm always coming from a trauma informed place when I'm working with people mm. is is a huge thing for me. And mm. that was a huge part of my recovery mm. because without actually getting to the root cause of things, I was just you know I swapped my eating disorder for drugs. I swapped the drugs for a relationship and then finally I got to a point where I was like, actually, okay, I'm stable enough that I can actually, you know, really address Mm. the underlying stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is like, once you can address that underlying stuff and you can learn, you know, new patterns, basically, it's just learning new patterning, isn't it? It's like X doesn't have to equal Y all the time. Yeah. You know, it can be X equals Y and then you go, oh, I don't like Y. I don't like it when I behave that way. I don't like it. And you can train yourself to then X equals Z or A or yeah. whatever. But it takes time and it's a, it is a process, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the the other big thing, which I mean, sounds corny, but is hope. There is always hope. Mm. And I I try and reiterate to myself that, you know, when I'm having hard times or when I'm struggling with, with work or I'm, I'm also doing a degree and, you know, I left school when I was 14. So, you know, doing essays and spelling without autocorrect and paragraphs and referencing and all that kind of stuff just is very new to me. And I'm like, no, there's always hope. There's always, there's always something. 
Yeah. We might not know what it is and it may not come for a while. Sometimes we do have to be patient, but there is always hope. Yeah, absolutely. And what one thing do you wish you'd known, especially like about suicide before you got to this point of healing? I think I'd wish I'd known that the thoughts I were having were not completely crazy. Mm. You know, that I wasn't alone in that. Because I think when you're going through it, you really feel like you're the only one that's ever felt that kind of pain. Absolutely. When, you know, actually, like I said, most people I, most people I work with have had that kind of thought. Yeah, I think it's way more common than we realise. Yeah. And I think, like, one of my things was people won't get it rather yeah. than, you know... I don't think I even really considered whether other people had felt the same, but I just fought, felt like they wouldn't get it. And, I, and even if, even and if I, I think, didn't tell them, how would I explain it? And mm, what would I say? And all that kind of stuff. I think also being shamed when you do. I had, you know, so many people, very well-meaning. But when I would say, look, actually, I, I don't want to live anymore, is, you know, how could you do that to your family? Mm. Um, you have so much to live for you're you're smart you're funny you're beautiful you know why aren't you grateful for those things you know you have a roof over your head you you know you go to school you have so many opportunities and it's just like okay but when you're in that none of that matters yeah you're so all consumed by the pain that you know there's no perspective yeah it's so tricky isn't it because I often think that with depression you know what partly what I want to say is like you need to just get it together like you've got to save yourself and whatever and then you're like you can't say that to somebody that's got depression if somebody said that to me when I was like I can feel like that now because I'm so far out of it but like if you're fully in it and you can't even lift your head off a pillow and you haven't brushed your teeth for three days let alone had a wash and your hair's all greasy and stuck to your head and whatever and someone comes in and goes you know essentially a tidied up version of you need to pull yourself together and just get up it's like I know (laughs) oh yeah like I I knew all of that stuff like I knew more than anyone that like I have all these things and I feel uh, you know full of shame and guilt around the fact that I'm not grateful for those things yeah or I am but I'm not able to connect with that part of myself and gratitude was a huge part of my Mm. my recovery but it didn't come until quite a late point because I was like okay yes yeah, yes, I am grateful for that. I am grateful for this. But I, I realize there's a big difference between having gratitude and being actively grateful. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally resonate with that as well. Great, gratitude was definitely a big part of my healing. It's a, a part of my continued daily practice. And um, I always do this nice little thing when I lay in bed at night and I put one hand on my belly and one hand on my heart and I give myself a bit of Reiki and I sit and I like go through the day and I think about all the like like cool fun shit that's happened in the day that I'm like grateful for or whatever and it's it's a really nice practice and then in the mornings I do a different one but I think it's really powerful to check in with yourself yeah it's the I feel like it's the connection to the feeling of gratitude Mm. that has the power and way back when when I was still in bed and I was doing the list you know I'm grateful for electricity I'm yeah. grateful I've got running water in my yeah. taps, you know, with my eyes rolled in my head and like not really meaning it, but trying to practice it because that's what everyone said when yeah. they healed, you know, they practice gratitude. So I'm like, right, I will practice gratitude then, even if I don't mean it yet. 
<laughs> but I'll it does it come, you know, like it does come. I always was told my mom actually would always remind me. She'd always be telling me links to different things on how gratitude changes the pain. And just in 22 days, like mm. she'd be like, you don't have to be grateful for it. Just, just put down what you think yeah it might work and like let it come and then it it did eventually come yeah and I went from having like three or four things on the list to just being able to endlessly stream off different things and I even have on my like reminders on my phone that pops up at 10 30 every night just a little like what are you grateful for oh I love because sometimes you can when you're getting into sort of everyday life and you're busy yeah it is important just to kind of stop and be like okay what what am I grateful for yeah and I think gratitude as well in that sense just brings you back to the moment doesn't it to an extent and I definitely had that the other day I was like rushing back from doing the workout and I I was coming up my stairs and I had the kettlebell and uh, keys and you know all this stuff in my hands and and I was like oh and I need to remember to send this thing and who am I recording with today and and I was totally in that future self of like to-do list and blah, 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 and starting to get a bit like I'm not gonna have enough time because we, we didn't realize the time with the workout and now I'm in a rush and I've got to have a shower and, blah, 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 and then I suddenly just went <laughs> you're so in it and I was like back to the moment yeah. metal of the kettlebell in my hand keys in my hand you know like take a moment just come back focus on your breath and then suddenly it was like it's fine everything will get done you don't need to stay in like future stressed out you you know there's going to be enough time you just need to like everything's going to be fine and then suddenly you're like oh yeah okay it's all good everything's cool you know and I think sometimes you can just get in these little moments can't you and it's like I feel gratitude or mindfulness or whatever you know whatever the thing might be that you're doing allows you to just bring it back yeah just ground yourself center yourself back into the moment absolutely so is there anything else that you wish I asked that I hadn't asked or anything that you want to share well you've asked some very profound and insightful questions but I I don't think so awesome so Uh, if anyone is listening and they're like oh my god I need to work with Lily or they want to find out more about you how do they come and find you uh my Instagram is a great way to get to me it's at recovery with Lily Lily is um one l in the middle two overall and my email is on there i don't post as regularly as i would like to it's one of my goals for the second half of 2021 um but yeah i'd like to create a a safe space there and we cover everything from addiction eating disorders all mental health feminism trauma you know female pleasure male pleasure everything and anything nothing's out of bounds love that that's what i love on here as well i'm like let's have all the chats that no everyone told us not to talk about yeah (laughs) rebellion thank you so much for being here it's been an absolute pleasure to share your story and your experiences and you know i just think it's going to be so helpful for so many people i think your story is going to resonate with so many listeners um so thank you so much for being so open thank you so much for having me it's been my pleasure and to all the lovely listeners thank you so much for being here and as always i will see you again very soon much love we hope you've enjoyed listening as much as rachel enjoys making this podcast why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration and if you really love it drop us a review on apple podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people Thanks for listening. You have totally got this.